Well, let's go ahead and pray and get into the rest of the service. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth that makes us free. We're asking you, Father God, for eyes that are open, ears that hear, hearts that are open and receptive to hear from you, to hear from the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our understanding. Show us things in your word, Lord, that we have not seen before. Things that we have seen, we're asking that you make it more clear and more real to us. Show us how to practically apply it to our lives today. And help us, by your grace, to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Go ahead and be seated. Glory to God. All right. I feel I got to loosen up here. I'm wearing a suit today, so it's a little different, a little different. <laughs> I used to wear suits all the time, but it's been a long time since I wore suits, so <laughs> feel a little restricted. But that's okay. I'm free in the Lord. <laughs> Go turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. You guys good? You guys, you guys happy? All right, all right. All right, you know, it's, it's good to laugh in church. It's good to have fun. You know, church doesn't have to be all stuffy and uptight. You know, we want to honor the Lord, but we don't have to be, mm, just so, just praise the Lord. And how are you? And can't laugh and joke, you know. No, we, we can have fun in church. Amen. Maybe I need to bring up my dad joke book or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But God is good. First Timothy chapter 6, we started a series that we're calling The Good Fight of Faith. The Good Fight of Faith. And, and the Lord's helping us see what this fight is all about. Amen. He's helping us to see. He's helping us to clear up confusion about faith. Uh, you know, about what is our part and what is God's part. You know, because people really are letting the devil confuse them about what God has given them. You know, there's, God has given us some amazing things by his grace. He's provided us some amazing things by his grace. But it's up to us to go and get and receive what God has given us, what God has provided for us. And if we don't get it, we won't receive it. We won't have it. We won't enjoy it. But people are allowing the enemy to just take what has been given to them, take what God has provided for them and given to them by his grace without even putting up a fight. And we are learning how to fight the good fight of faith. Because when you go to get what God has provided for you, when you go to get what has been given to you by his grace... There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some resistance from the enemy. Amen? And so we need to learn how to fight. It says in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Somebody say fight and lay hold. Notice these two phrases, fight and lay hold. Say it again, fight, fight. and lay hold. lay hold. That means there's some opposition against us. There's some, something working against us so that we let go 
of what we held on to, of what we laid hold of. And that's what the fight is all about. The fight is about not letting anything or anyone take what you have laid hold of, what you have received in Christ. That's what the fight is all about. And there would be no reason for this to say fight and lay hold if we had no responsibility, if there was not going to be any opposition, if there wasn't going to be a fight to protect and to keep and to guard what God has given us by his grace. There would be no reason to say fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. Amen? Amen. If there wasn't going to be a fight. Now, that includes also our own flesh. <laughs> that includes, include, we're talk, you know, it includes the adversary, the devil, but it also includes the world, the things in the world, and it includes the flesh. You know, and that's actually, in the previous verses, he's talking about those things. He's talking about flee those things that would, that would hinder you from fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life. He's saying flee those things. I mean, when you put down the flesh, there's going to be a fight. When you put down the flesh, when the flesh wants something and your spirit knows it shouldn't have it or shouldn't do it or shouldn't want it, there's going to be a fight. Amen? Who's ever fasted before, gone without food? Well, there's, there's a fight, right? There's a fight. You go any length of time with, you know, without eating, there's going to be a fight to say, ah, you know, I got, I got to stay away from this food. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I've, when I fasted before, um, I, I, for some reason, my sense of smell was in heightened. I don't know. Is that the word? I, all of a sudden, I'm smelling things that I never smelled before. Oh, man, that burger smells good. Or that tofu. I don't even like tofu, but that tofu smells so delicious. I mean, you got to fight the flesh, right? You got to crucify the flesh. You got to say, get down, flesh, right? But there will be a fight. There will be a fight. And the one reason why you have to say fight and lay hold is because religion and just wrong teaching has taught Christians to be passive. That we are just waiting on God to do everything. That we are just waiting on God to move. We are waiting on God to act. That's what religion has taught. And so because of that, people are just doing nothing. And they're not receiving what God has provided for them, what God has given to them by his grace. I mean, just because God has given it to us, that doesn't mean that we're automatically going to enjoy it. Once you go to receive what you know is yours in Christ, there's going to be some resistance. But just because it's yours doesn't mean you're automatically going to have it. Now, we're not fighting and resisting the Lord, but there's an adversary. I mean, think about that first generation of Israelites. The Lord gave them the promised land, did he not? Actually, he gave, he told his forefathers, their forefathers, that I'm giving you a land. He promised them a land, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he said, this land is your land, this land flowing with milk and honey. It's yours. Go in and possess it. But did they go in and possess it, that first generation of Israel? No, they didn't. Even though God gave it to them, they didn't enjoy it. They didn't enjoy the lands that they didn't build, the, the, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the houses that they didn't build, the vineyards they didn't plant, the wells they didn't dig. They didn't enjoy it even though it was God's plan for their life, even though God wanted them to have it and to enjoy it, and he gave it to them, they didn't enjoy it. They didn't go in and possess it, except for Joshua and Caleb. 
out of all those hundreds of thousands of people, the only two people from that generation that went into the promised land was Joshua and Caleb. And God said, this is your land. He said it was your land, but they didn't experience what God had for them. So there is going to be a fight. And that was the problem. That first generation, they didn't want to fight. when, When Moses sent out the spies to go look at the land, they came back with an evil report, right? And what was the evil report? It was a report of unbelief, of no faith. They said there's giants in the land. And then their walls are fortified and they're large. And and Caleb's like, no, we're well able. We can go in and overcome it. He wanted to go in. He was ready right now. But the rest of the crowd was full of unbelief. And they never received what God had for them. They never received what God had for them. Say, not us. We're going to receive. We're going to fight the good fight of faith. When God said something is ours, he expects us to go in and get it. He expects us to go in and take what belongs to us. He says, hey, I've given you that. Well, we just can't wait for God to drop it out of heaven from us. No, we got to go and receive it. Your salvation didn't just drop on you, right? The grace of salvation is provided to every man, but is every man experiencing it? Is every man enjoying salvation? And relationship with God? No, because they have to go and receive it. And how you know there is a fight for a lot of, some of you have probably fought, uh, the enemy was fighting against you from receiving salvation, right? He fought against you for years until you finally said, no, I'm getting my life right. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me. I'm coming to Jesus, right? So it's going to require faith. It requires faith. I mean, you know, the Lord, he got annoyed with that first generation that didn't go in. He said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe my word? After all the signs and wonders I perform for them, how long will they not believe me? I mean, that, uh, that annoyed the Lord that they didn't receive him because faith is not just saying, I have faith. Well, how do we demonstrate that? We, we, we do what he says. We go in and get it. We fight the good fight of faith. Even in the natural, if it looks like, man, this is impossible, hey, by faith we go in and say, I'm getting it. It's ours. I mean, this church here, we're not naive to think that there won't be a fight for this church. When you step out to obey God, the enemy is not just going to say, oh, glory to God, let all these people come to the Lord, find out, especially a church uh, in any, any church in any city, but especially a church that is preaching who you are in Christ that the devil is defeated, how to fight the good fight of faith, man, there's going to be some resistance. <laughs> the enemy's not just going to say, oh, yeah, teach people how to have victory, <laughs> how, to, how I'm defeated. No, he's going to put up a fight. He's going to put up some resistance. Amen? And we're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Go to uh, our, our second text that we're looking at. It's called 2 Timothy in Second Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, in Romans 5, 2, it says, in him we have access by grace into this faith. So the way we access the grace of God is by faith. 
Grace is there. It's available. He's saying here, this is yours. But we access the grace of God by faith. You guys got that? Romans 5, 2. We access it by faith. And, and God gets all the glory because it's his ability. It's his enabling that enabled us to go in and possess what he has for us. And it's his wisdom and his direction, his Holy Spirit that showed us what to do and how to do it. So he gets all the glory, and it's a measure of his faith that he gave to us. So he gets all the glory for it, but it's still going to require us faith to access what he's given. How many know God has already provided healing? It's already been provided. The Bible says he he who uh, himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. By his stripes ye were healed. It's already been provided. But you have to receive what he's already already provided by his grace. How many know our peace has already been provided? The Bible says the chastisement, the punishment that would bring us peace was placed on him. It's already been provided by his grace. How many of your provision has already been provided? The Bible says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. That's having enough, more than enough. It's already been provided, but you have to receive it. Righteousness, you have to receive it by faith. Amen? What does it say? He, him, for him who knew no sin, he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything that God has bought and paid for, that he has provided by his grace, we must receive it by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the difference, I'm not, I guess I'm not done with that. The difference between us getting it and us not getting it is going to be faith. The difference between us and other people receiving and not receiving, what is it going to be? Faith. And what the Bible actually said this about Caleb, it said, my servant Caleb had another spirit. He had a different spirit. What does that mean, a different spirit? he, He wasn't whining and complaining like the rest of the bunch. He wasn't saying, oh, no, we can't do it. We're not able to do it. No, Caleb said, no, we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to conquer it. See, that's a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith says, no, we can and we will. See, unbelief and defeat says we can't and we won't. Faith says, no, we're going to, and we're going to take it. We're going to receive it because God says it's ours. So I'm going to take what God says is ours. I'm going to take it. And I'm not letting anybody or anything stop me and hinder me from receiving what God has for us. Amen? Religion has done an injustice to the blessings of God. It's taught people that we are just begging God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, please do this, please do this. He's like, hey, it's right there. Receive it by faith. Receive it. Receive it. And there'll be a fight to go to receive it. Don't get me wrong. But we're not begging God. It's by faith that we receive it. Amen. Second Timothy 4 says, well, let's start in verse 5, because if I start in verse 1, I'll be preaching on all that stuff. So verse 5, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So in order for you and I to keep the faith to say this, there's going to be a fight. And there will be many opportunities for us to quit, for us to throw in the towel, for us to give up. Amen? There's going to be many opportunities for us to throw in the towel. I was actually uh, looking at, uh, I saw something the other day about statistics. We, we have young men in this place. I mean, you know, the Lord is after young, he's after men. He's after young men. But I'm saying this specifically to these young men. You have to decide what kind of man you want to be. You want to be a fighter? Or are you going to be one that cowers and has a jelly back and the, most, and the time, you know, when the enemy comes and he brings pressure, you're going to run, duck, and hide? Or are you going to stay with God? You, we all have to determine that for ourselves. Amen? But I saw a statistic that said that if a child gets saved, it's talking about people coming to the Lord, and it said if a child gets saved, it, there's a 3.5% chance that the rest of the family will follow. If a mother gets saved, the, the percentages go up at 17% that the rest of the family will follow. But if the father gets born again and saved, 93% chance that the whole family will follow. That's why the enemy is attacking men like he is today. That's why he's attacking fathers. You guys hear me? You need to understand this. No matter what anybody else does, I don't care. You're going to have wives one day. Amen? You're going to have wives one day, and you're going to have to lead them. And if they say, I don't want to follow God, well, hey, I'm still going to church every week. I'm still going. I'm still following God. I'm not going to just lay down and say, hey, I'm not following God. No, they're going to follow your lead. They're going to do what you do. And so you need to stick with God no matter what's going on. No matter, and I don't care what the enemy tries to bring, what offense, what division, what hurt, you follow God. Men, we follow God, amen? amen. Women too. Thank God for women. Thank God for praying wives and praying mothers, amen? amen? A lot of us wouldn't be here. But men, the enemy's trying to take us out, and we're not going to let them, amen? amen? Where are the men at? Amen. amen. Say Amen. Give me a hoo hoo. That was a little weak, but okay. <laughs> but there's going to be a fight, amen? Now, let's review a little bit. We'll work on that. We'll work on it. We'll, we'll review a little bit. The last couple weeks, um, we, we've covered a, a couple of different things. One of the things we talked about is that there will be unexpected punches in this faith fight, and that the enemy will, he will cause there to be some offense, something that gets you miffed at God or his people, and there will be a fight. And we don't have time to go into that. that it's online if you would like to see that. But it's designed to take you out of the fight. That's what it's designed to do. But last week, we talked about our confession and how confession is how you got born again. We talked about the importance of what you say, that your faith speaks. Faith is not just believing, but faith is also speaking. Faith is how you, uh, confession is how you got saved. It's how you got born again. It's how a miracle occurred in your life. It's how you went from being dead to God to alive to God. 
was the words of your mouth. Isn't that what Romans 10 talks about? It says, let me just read it real quick. It, it says here, uh, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, Romans 10, 10 6. Uh, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. See, it's not just in our heart. It's in our mouth. And he says that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So our miracle occurs because of the words that we spoke, our confession of him. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who's in heaven. He didn't just say, whoever believes in me, I will, and I will believe in him before my Father. No, there's a confession that needs to take place of your faith. You need to publicly declare. You need to hear yourself confessing the Lord, confessing your faith. And that's every aspect of faith. You need to confess it. Confession uh, of your faith is the tool that the Lord has given us to fight the good fight of faith. When we put the word of God in our mouth, it is the weapon that God has given us to fight the good fight of faith. And we talked about last week that the enemy, he wants to sift us like wheat. He wants to sift us like wheat. What is that? He wants to shake us. He wants to rattle us. He wants to cause some things in our lives to happen where we are now separated from our faith. He wants to shake us and sift us to the point where he separates you from your confession. And that's how you can identify when somebody has been sifted, when somebody has been shaken, when somebody has been rattled, is that they let go of the confession of their faith. So let's go further today. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. Now, I'll just give you some background on Hebrews. Now, one day I would like to have the scriptures up here, but it's a whole program you need, and it's, you, you know, Somebody would have to be a ninja on the keyboard and, you know, go real quick. And, and, uh, but we'll, we'll have it one day. We'll have it so that we can put the scriptures up there so we don't have to turn everyone. I know that is uh, very convenient. Um, so we'll get there. Yeah, but it's good to be able to turn in your Bible so you know what the Word of God says for yourself. That's why I, I'm kind of old-fashioned. I still like to use a Bible like this, because I know where things are. I know where they're highlighted. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just, you can use your tablet. You can use your phone. That's great, too. You know, I do that, too. But I, when you're in a fight, you need a trusty sword. You need to know. I know what's around here. Where's that scripture? Yeah, that's right. The Bible says this right here, devil. See, you need to be able to do that. Amen. You can't do that with a phone. You be scrolling like, where's that scripture? <laughs> you need to be able to turn real quick. Amen. 
<laughs> do whatever works for you. I know some, you know, maybe you got, there's a lot of different highlights and notes you can put on the tablets and Bible apps, but uh, where were we? Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, one of the purposes of Hebrews chapter, or just, just the book of Hebrews, uh, it was written to inform Christians who are facing persecution and pressure. Some of it is socially, and, and it looks like, it appears like it's going to be some physical persecution that they are going to endure. And so that is the purpose of Hebrews. And so, but there are spiritual principles in here that we can still apply when there is some pressure being applied to us, regardless of what, regardless if we're talking about the Christian faith as a whole, Christianity, or we're talking about faith as in something you are believing God for. It's a promise. It's all based on his word. So the principles are still here. And it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Say this, hold fast, hold fast. without wavering. wavering. Let's say it again, hold fast, hold fast. Without, wavering. without wavering. One more time, hold fast, hold fast. Without, wavering. without wavering. I want that to get into our spirits. Hold fast has to do with taking firm possession of something has to do with seizing something. It has to do with getting a firm grasp on it, firm possession of it so that nobody takes it from you. Amen? So if we're being commanded, if we're being charged to hold fast to the confession of our faith, that means there's going to be something working against us to get us, to try to get us to let go of it. Right? Or else why do you say hold fast? if there's nothing trying to get you to turn loose of it. So there's something working to, hold, to, to get you to turn loose. And if we want to fight the good fight of faith and win the good fight of faith, then we cannot waver. We cannot waver. We have to hold fast to our confession. And then without wavering, this has to do with being moved. This has to do with, uh, with a bending if you look these words up in the Greek, it has to do with a, a moving and a bending. Well, why would you be moved? Why would you bend? Because there is something that is applying pressure to you that is causing you to bend, that is causing you to move, that is causing you to waver. Do you see that? There's some pressure that's being applied. So in order for us to hold fast, we're going to have to stand firm against the pressure against the thing that is causing us to, uh, that would cause us to bend or move or to buckle or to waver. We're going to have to hold fast. Do you see that? We're going to have to hold fast to the pressure, uh, against the pressure that is being applied. And now think about when a pressure or any pressure has been applied in your lives. Uh, you know, you're standing on the Word of God. You're standing on the promises of God, and it's not happening, and it's not even close to happening. Well, the pressure that is being applied is the pressure to back off from believing 
what you started from believing. Do you see that? There's a pressure being applied so that you stop believing what you started off believing. There's a pressure that comes. There's a pressure to try to get you to bend and try to get you to move. And if it can just get you to move and bend and buckle just a little bit, you will let go and turn loose of what you once were holding on to. Amen? And that's what we want to be on guard for so that we don't bend so that we don't move. You know, let's just say you're believing God. You got a hold of the word of God that says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And you're believing God, you need a place to live. You're believing for your own house. Well, and you, and you get a hold of the word of God that says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He supplies all my needs. You're, you're you receive the word of God, you're speaking the word of God, you're believing the word of God, and then a fight happens. A financial storm takes place. And you get laid off at your job. You've been working there for 10 years, you get laid off at the job, and right in the middle of what is going on, you're getting laid off, you, were, you had a contract on a house. Let's say you had, she's laughing because that happened to us. This exact same scenario. <laughs> you get laid off and, and you have a contract on a house. That's why I know about some of these things. <laughs> but you, you have a contract on a house. And, and now you can't find a job. You've been believing for years for a place to live, a bigger place, a nicer place, a nicer house. And now you have no income. And now you can't find a job quick enough. So the dream is gone. You have to let go of the house. You have to let go and say, okay, Lord, what do we do now? Well, the pressure is going to come to say, man, see, this stuff didn't work. This stuff do not, does not work. You were faithful to God. Look what happened. Look, look what happened. See, that, first of all, I had nothing to do with the Lord. But the enemy, he's going to bring all kind of thoughts. He's going to bombard you. Do you really believe this? Aren't you embarrassed? Look, you, you were telling everybody, look what the Lord did. He gave us a house, and now you lost your job. You lost the house. What are you going to do? You don't have a job. You can't find a job. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And the, the pressure comes. The questions come. And it, the questioning is trying to get you to turn loose of what you started out believing. It wants you to let go of what you were believing God for. Do you see that? So the pressure's coming. So you're going to have to hold fast to the confession of your faith. You're going to have to say, no, I don't care what happened in the natural. I'm not moved by this. The word of God is still true. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to provide a place for us to live. He's going to provide income. He's going to provide whatever we need, we will have. Because God is faithful. He's not a man that he would lie. What's going on? I'm fighting the good fight of faith because pressure is hitting. Pressure. What are you going to do? You're still going to believe this? You're still going to believe this? It's not happening. It's not happening for you. You're, you're further away from it than you were before. That's when you need to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? That's when, when the pressure is being applied to bend, to waver, to buckle. That's when it's time to gird up and say, no. Now, that's when it's time to put some faith scriptures in or whatever, some faith messages on, and say, all right, here we go. 
I'm fighting a good fight of faith. I'm not letting go. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. Amen? And how many know the Lord brought everything we needed to pass? Actually, gave us a better house. The other house that we rode on, man, glory to God that that didn't work out. But, but uh, that was an older house, and we ended up building a house. Isn't God good? God is good. He can take what the enemy meant for evil and cause something good, better. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But when it happened, that wasn't fun. These feelings, they don't feel good when you're right there, and then all of a sudden, you get a call, like, uh, you're let go. What? No, that's not fun, but God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne, and his word is still true. And so no matter what the circumstances are that we're facing, God's word didn't change. And so if he remains the same, we need to remain the same. Amen? And that's how you get through. Notice it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Faithful. That means he's reliable. That means he's dependable. That means you can count on him. He does not change. If he said it, it's going to happen. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what a faithful person is. Faithful person is you can rely on them. You can count on them. If they said they'll be there at 10 o'clock, they'll be there before 10 or right on time, right? They are faithful. You can depend on them. You can count on them. Well, that's how our God is, and that's what you use to fight the good fight of faith. You say, no, the Lord doesn't waver from his word. He doesn't change from his word. He doesn't bend. He doesn't look at the, the obstacles going on in the world and the culture and says, oh, my, I might have to bend a little bit on my word. No, his word remains the same. And because his word remains the same, we can remain the same. We can hold fast to that confession of faith because he is not diverting from his confession of faith. He is staying the same. Amen. We're Hebrews, right? Now, I'm talking about uh, financial situations, but you can apply this to any situation. You can apply this to relationships, your children, whatever promise of God you're standing on, you apply that. The same word of God. You hold fast to the confession of your faith. Now, that word confession, that actually, if you look it up in the Greek, has to do with saying the same thing. It has to do with coming in agreement, and it's an acknowledgement. So what's going on? You are saying the same thing as God. You are in agreement with his word. But the pressure comes, the pressure comes to try to get you off of what God said to get you from not uh, so that you're not agreeing with what he said and that you're agreeing with what the pressure-filled thoughts are telling you and so that you're acknowledging what the pressure-filled thoughts are telling you so that you confess what the doubt is saying and see we need to confess what he says we need to stay with him but the pressure comes so that you confess something different the pressure comes so that you have a different confession in your mouth. And that is what we're fighting against so that we stay hold and we hold fast to our confession. We are fighting those thoughts. We're casting down those thoughts so that we have a firm possession of our faith confession. We are not letting go of our faith confession. We are not letting go of what the word of God says. No matter what it seems like, we're not letting go of it. We're holding on to it. 
Somebody said, how long do you hold on? Until the end. Until the end. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1. Just a few chapters over. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end? How long? To the end. No, how mu no matter how much pressure we're facing from inside, outside, from the world, from the enemy, we hold fast to the confidence to the end. We're not moved. We're, we're not, we don't bend. We don't buckle under the weight of pressure. We hold fast to it. You know, we have to hold fast to the beginning of our faith. What good would it be if you, you're believing God for Two months, real strong. Two years, real strong. 20 years, real strong. And then year 21 comes, you quit. What good is that? What benefit did that do for you? No. You wasted all the, you might as well keep holding on. You might as well say, hey, I'm in it this long. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I'm holding on to my faith. No matter what it looks like, I'm holding on. Because God's word is true. Hey, Abraham did it. Right? Um, he was promised a child uh, in his old age. He held on to the word of God for a long time. What was it? Dec was it 25 decades? I mean, he's an old man when he got the promise. I mean, it already looked impossible, but faith does not waver. Faith says, hey, I'm holding on to the word of God. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Go drop down to verse 14. It says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. How long do we hold on to our faith, our confidence? To the end. To the end. Now notice in verse 1, it says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. It says to consider him. So that means there's something about what he did that we need to consider. Now, the high priest, we talked about some of these things before, but the high priest was the mediator between God and man. Jesus is our high priest between us and the Father, the righteous judge of all the earth. And he represents us. He knows what it's like to be a man because he became a man. So he's the best representation we can have. And if you go to the next chapter in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 14, it says that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, a lot of times when we've heard verses 15 and 16, uh, we've applied them to situations where we felt weak, and that's fine. The principle is there. You can definitely do that. The, the scriptures have more than one application, but this is specifically talking about Jesus, our high priest, knowing what we are going through because he went through something. He faced some intense persecution. He faced some intense pressure, some intense temptation. And we know that he was tempted in the wilderness by the enemy. How I mean, you know that's going to be a, there's a fight to hold on to the word of God when you want to eat after 40 days, right? And then in the garden, we know that uh, the Bible talks about that he sweat like great drops of blood, the Bible says, in having to resist the flesh to go through with what God's will was for his son, for Jesus. He said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That means at that moment, he had a different will. He said, not my will, but your will. He wanted to do something else, but he resisted. He fought. Aren't you glad he fought? Aren't you glad he resisted? And so because of that, he is able to help us. He is able to strengthen us because he knows exactly what it's like. He knows what it's like. Ain't that good? That when the pressure is being applied, that when you're sensing the pressure, you can go boldly to the throne and say, I could use some grace, Lord. Grace, Lord. And he knows he's not going to say, what are you talking about, you weak little human? You're a pathetic human. No, he knows exactly what it's like because he endured and he fought and he's able to help us fight. Amen? Amen. But let's look at how he helped us fight or how he fought as our example. Go to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Yeah, he's able to help us hold fast to our confession of faith. Now, where you're turning to John chapter 18, the Gospel of John, let me remind you of what our text says in 1 Timothy 6. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Then verse 13 says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Notice that. It says Jesus witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. The example that it's giving us in talking about fighting the good fight of faith is Jesus. And it says he witnessed the good confession. You guys follow me? The message translation or the the message Bible uh, of that Chapter 13 says, Jesus took his stand before Pontius Pilate and didn't give an inch. I like that. He took his stand and didn't give an inch. (laughs) He didn't waver. He didn't bend. He didn't move. He didn't buckle under the pressure. That's a lot different than what Peter did right in the garden. Peter, I mean, thank God Peter got it right. But that's a lot different when there was pressure. When there was this pressure on Peter, do you know him or don't you know him? What did he do? He let go of his confession. He bent 
under the pressure. He was moved and he let go of his confession of faith and he let go of his faith that he initially started off with. How many know he said, you are the Christ? When Jesus said, who do people say? He's the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And now he's like, I don't even know who this guy is. See, he let go of his confession. Well, thank God he got it right and he became a pillar and, and we can get it right. If we've ever lost, just because you lost a fight don't mean you lost the whole battle. You can get back up just like Peter, get right back in the fight and win the whole thing, amen? But Jesus is now in a similar situation. He is standing trial before Pilate. And just some background, Pilate is the Roman governor. He has authority to crucify, to execute people, um, or to have them released. Um, and these religious leaders, they hated Jesus. You know, the religious leaders in Jesus, they, they hated Jesus. And they accused him to Pilate of things. They, they accused him of, you know, saying, hey, you don't got to pay your taxes to Rome. They, they, they made up some accusations against Jesus. And so Jesus is standing trial before Pilate. So at this point, Jesus has a decision to make. He can stand firm or he can say, hey, I'm bending. I'm moving from this. Okay? He has a decision to make. Am I going to say what the Father says about me, what the prophecies say about me, or am I going to bend? Because now it's getting real. Right? Now it's going down. <laughs> now everything, the culmination of his life is about to happen. And he was just in the garden resisting temptation. And so now he's standing trial before Pilate. In verse 33, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Notice, Jesus is not afraid. There's no, do you hear any fear there? He's not like, oh, oh, Pilate, please, please. No, he is not afraid. He's not wavering. And verse 35 says, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, or Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. So what right there is he acknowledging? He's a king. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you rightly, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now this is the good confession right here. By acknowledging that he's a king, by acknowledging that he's the king of Israel, he is acknowledging that he is the Messiah. He's acknowledging that what he said is truth. He is saying, I am the truth. I am the truth that the Bible, that the prophets foretold of. He's saying in the middle of all the pressure, I'm king and my word is true. What I've been saying is truth. He's not wavering. 
He's not buckling. He's not moving, right? Do you see that? He, he's not changing because of what's about to take place. He knows what's about to take place, but he is not moving off from that. He is not saying, you know, maybe I'm not the truth. Maybe, maybe I got some things wrong. No, he's not moving. He's not bending. Do you guys see that? Do you see how important this is? For, Paul uses this to say this is the good confession. This is how you fight. You don't move from the truth because the pressure is being applied. Because everybody is shouting, crucify you. Well, we'll see that in a little bit. But even in the face of death, even in the face of death, Jesus is not bending. He is not moving. But Pilate, he himself, and actually Pilate didn't want to do the dirty work of the Jews. He didn't want to do their dirty work. He was trying to find some reason to release Jesus. But, but Jesus is actually not talking that much. He's saying, answering a couple things and not giving them much to work with. And then, so Pilate, just to please the people, because Pilate was a people pleaser, he was ruled by the mob. He has Jesus scourged. He has the, the crown of thorns is put on his head. They, they strike him. But that's still not enough for the religious leaders. And the religious leaders incited a crowd, a mob of people, and they're all shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Okay? So in John, go, go to the next chapter, John chapter 19, verse 6. It says, therefore, the chief priests and officers saw him. They cried out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Do you hear Jesus' faith? He is not letting the pressure of this moment get to him. He is not saying, please release me, let me go. He is not buckling, he is not wavering, he is not moving, he is not giving an inch. He is fighting the good fight of faith. Do you guys see that? He didn't change what he believed just because the mob of people are saying crucify him. He didn't say, you know what, maybe I was wrong, I'm not the son of God, I'm not who I said I am, are you guys happy now? How I many know a lot of people, a lot of politicians today would do that? The crowd start chanting something, start chanting something. Oh my, they're going to give in. They're going to cave. They're going to say, well, I used to believe that, but now I've changed my views on things. Jesus did not buckle under the pressure. He did not buckle. He did not move. He held on to the faith confession. Aren't you glad he held on to the faith confession? Because if he didn't, we can never hold fast to his word. If he couldn't hold fast to his words, we cannot hold fast to his words. If he would not be faithful to his words, we would have no reason to fight the good fight of faith. We could have no reason to ever firmly grasp his word and never let go of it. Because if he let go of it, well, why should we hold on to it? But he didn't. He held on to his faith. He fought the good fight of faith, and he is our example of how to fight the good fight of faith. In the midst of pressure, 
in the midst of people saying, you crucify him, in the midst of the knowing what's about to happen, he stayed firm in his faith. He held on to his confession. He said, I am the truth. I am king. He did not let go of the faith. And that's what you and I need to do in the middle of a battle. Whatever you're believing God for, it, it could be the Christian faith, but whatever is based on the word of God, it's truth. You hold on to it. You don't let go of your confession. You're believing for healing, and it looks like it got worse. The doctors give you a bad report. You say, no, I'm holding on to what the word of God says. The word of God says, by his stripes, I was healed. That means I am healed. God's word is true, and we can hold fast to it because Jesus held fast to his word. Do you see that? We hold fast to it. We don't let go of his word. We hold on to it no matter how much pressure is hitting us, no matter how much thoughts and questions are coming to get us to move off the confession of our faith. We hold on to the confession of our faith. We lay hold of it. We say, Lord, I'm with you until the end. No matter what it looks like I'm seeing here, no matter what it looks like the doctor's report is saying, I will believe the report of the Lord. I will trust your word. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. I believe your word, Lord. Your word is true. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. You said you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I don't care if I got laid off. I don't care if it doesn't look like I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. You're coming through. Because your word says you will take care of us. You're the good shepherd. You said, I will not lack for any good thing. See, that's how you fight the good fight of faith. You hold fast to the confession of your faith. In our culture right now, when people are mocking God and they're saying, you're, you know, Christianity is phony and that you believe that phony God and you need that crutch of religion, you say, hey, I believe that he is the way that he is the truth and he is the life. And no man goes to the Father except through him. And you don't let go of that. You don't, when someone says, well, you know, we should be more open-minded, there are many different ways to God. You say, no, there is only one way to the Father and it's through Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God says. I'm not letting go of my confession. I'm holding fast to my confession of faith. I don't care if a million people are around me saying, we found out there's another way to God. They're all liars. His word is true. And we're holding fast to his word. Amen. And we're holding fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. No matter what kind of pressure is coming, we will hold fast. Say fight, lay hold. Say, hold fast without wavering. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.